Please turn with me to the sixth chapter of the book of Ephesians. We'll be reading verses 12 through 18. Ephesians 6, 12 through 18. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present, this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which uh, you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all power and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. You may be seated. <clears throat> thank you, Nat, for the reading, and thank you for being with us today. It's always a great privilege for me to be with you. I enjoy worshiping here at the Broadway congregation, the wonderful prayers that are offered, thank you, and beautiful singing that is uh, we're all engaged in, and It's very uplifting and encouraging, and now we enter into this portion of our worship by studying God's Word, and I hope that we'll be able to set aside the cares of this life and really focus on the importance of God's Word and how it changes our life and makes us the kind of people God really wants us to be. It has that power to do that, and I hope that you'll think about and consider these very important spiritual matters with me today. I look forward to being with you tonight at 6 o'clock. I hope that you'll be able to come back and be with us. And I've been studying out of the book of Colossians on Sunday night, and I want to talk about Colossians chapter 3. It's one of my favorite subjects, the Christian life, and the putting off and the putting on of the old way of life and the putting on of the new. And so we'll talk about that tonight from Colossians chapter 3. It's a remarkable chapter of Scripture. I hope you'll come and be with us on that occasion. I want to talk a little bit about this spiritual warfare that we're in. Uh, I don't know anything about war. I've never been in war. I was in the Army ROTC years ago, and they taught me how to march, and they taught me how to read a compass, and that's all I know. And uh, I wasn't very good at that either, but I don't know anything about war. Maybe some of you do. And um, we are um, a nation that, of course, has had to defend itself through the years. Warfare is a serious matter, isn't it? Uh, terrorism today is a serious matter, isn't it? If we were to uh, just turn on the television, the next thing you know, we're going to be seeing about some terrorist act, some horrible thing that's taken place over here or over there. Uh, missiles will come from this side of the uh, Gaza and aimed at Israel, and Israel has an iron dome-type shield, they call it, where missiles will go up and intercept those missiles and neutralize them, and, and uh, it's a fearful thing, war, but it's a very real thing. Uh, just a few days ago, some terrorist bomb blew up uh, a, a car and several people were killed. These are everyday occurrences for us in this modern world, terrorist acts throughout the world. 
I remember reading about a particular terrorist act, al-Dawah, party members, Islamic uh, jihadists claim responsibility for a particular terrorist act. Six people were killed. It's a terrible thing. And I know that you understand that it's a very violent act. Terrorism is designed to instill fear in the lives of people, causing them to be afraid. Uh, terrorism has afflicted this country as well and caused great fear in our country and in our day, in our lifetime. As a child, I don't ever remember anything about terrorist acts. Uh, don't know anything, just never heard of any such a thing. But that's a very common day thing that we have in this particular day and time. Terrorist acts, warfare. It's tragic. It's horrific. And I just don't know anything about it. You could have a um, battle between two armies in a terrible firefight back and forth. Bullets are going back and forth and back and forth. People are dying on both sides. And then all of a sudden you see a fellow who's dressed very casually. He has his glasses on, has a newspaper, and he's walking right in the middle of the battle scene. He has no idea that the battle scene is taking place. And he just casually walks through and strolls through and bullets are flying back and forth. What would happen to an individual like that? Obviously, he's not going to survive that. It's going to be destroyed. We're in the greatest spiritual battle of all for our souls. And so many people don't even know that it's going on. It's far worse than any terrorist act. It is a spiritual battle for our souls. The most precious thing that we have, God created us in his own image and gave us the soul which lives forever and holds us accountable for how we live our lives. And yet Satan is doing his very best to destroy us and to destroy our souls and yet People don't even know that the battle's being waged. I have to say that sometimes it's hard to think of a spiritual battle going on. It's a beautiful day out there. Sky is blue, the clouds are white and puffy, the birds are flying, the grass is green, and life is good. And it's hard to see that I'm involved in some spiritual battle that's the most vicious battle of all. Hard for me to see that. After all, I've been successful at work. And house notes paid. The wife and the children are happy. The dog's doing well. Life is good. Why, just the other day, let me tell you about the five iron shot I made the other day on the 13th fairway. Let me tell you about that. Life is good. And it's hard to visualize the idea of being involved in the most vicious of battles for the most precious thing that I have, especially in light of the fact everything's going my way and it's a very happy life and it's something that I treasure and I enjoy and I feel satisfied because everything's going my way. I think that's Paul's point here. In Ephesians chapter 6, you need to wake up and realize there's a battle going on for your soul. And so many people are like the fellow with the newspaper in his hand, 
casually walking through the battlefield, never knowing that the battle is going on. We need to wake up. And we need to realize, I'm going to lose this battle if I do not arm myself with the weaponry that God has given me. That's Ephesians chapter 6. And that's what I want to study with you a little bit about today. And of course, I'll not be able to do everything that I'd like to do with this particular subject, but I'm going to try to cover three points here. The first point that I want to talk about is be strong in the Lord. I need to wake up to the fact, verse 10, that there's a battle that's raging on. And I really need to put my faith and confidence in God. Then I want to talk about put on the whole armor of God, which is a command which is given to him in the passage of Scripture. Then I want to talk a little bit more about this spiritual warfare that we're facing, verse 12. And then as time goes along, we'll talk about the armor of God, verses 13 through 17. I think the focus a lot of times is on the armor when we come to this chapter. And that's a very good focus to have. But there's some things that we need to understand before we get to the focus. Why would I ever see the need to put on armor if I don't see the battle that's going on and realize its intensity and realize its awesome consequences? First, I've got to come to understand something about being strong in the Lord. And that's what he said here. Finally, verse 10, be strong in the Lord. And then the strength of his might. I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 6 and I'm looking at verse 10. And he tells me to be strong in the Lord. Ephesians is a wonderful book, uh, sometimes called the queen of the epistles. You've heard me say that before. Uh, it certainly was the queen of Asia, the city of Ephesus. Uh, verses one, chapters 1 through 3 talk about reconciliation and redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. And all of that being made possible because of Jesus and my faithful obedience to the grace of God that was offered. And then chapters 4, 5, and 6 is a very practical section with regard to the teaching of the Word of God. And he gets to about verse 10 of chapter 6, and he uses a word there every member of the audience loves to hear. Finally. Everybody loves to hear that word. Though most of the time with preachers it really doesn't mean anything. They keep going on and on even after they use the word finally. But the Apostle Paul does something of that. We have a number of verses after we get to finally, verse 10. And the finally, of course, is to try to tell us that there is a strong transition that's made from the matter of living the faithful Christian life and now how I'm to do that, be strong in the Lord. It is a continuous need. I was reading the um, National Geographic, and I enjoy reading that particular periodical, and I was reading in the National Geographic some time ago about uh, the moose of Alaska. And I had family that lived in Alaska, and I enjoy always enjoyed going to Alaska, and the moose of Alaska, one of the largest land animals that we have, and I remember the first one that I ever saw was in Wyoming, and I was impressed with how big the thing was. And the thing that impressed me was the idea, this great animal lives wild all its own in the wilderness. And there's herds of them, and, and they're just huge animals. But the fall of the year is when the battle for the herd really begins. And... In the fall of the year, they clash. These huge animals with huge antlers and horns are ramming their heads together to see who will be the head of the herd. And if a horn breaks, then that's it. It's over. Uh, that bull is out. Well, the point of the story in the National Geographic was that um, 
they start that by eating all that they can eat in the spring and the summer. And they're foraging and they're eating as much as they possibly can in the spring and the summer. And as they do, they gain mass, they gain body weight, their bones are strengthened, and they're ready for the battle that takes place, you know, in the fall of the year. So really the battle is won in the spring. If this moose really eats like he ought and wants and gets the food that he desires, He'll have the weight and the size and the strength and the horn to be able to win the battle when the battle comes about. But if he doesn't do that, it's going to be certain defeat. The horn will break because he wasn't prepared. And Paul is saying, be strong in the Lord. And then the power of his might. The battle is really won in the preparation that we make now for the battle that we're going to have to fight in the future. We know that battle's coming. We don't know when that temptation is going to be faced, but yet we know that we're going to have to face it one day. Now's the time to prepare for that particular matter. And so he says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. So now because of my relationship with Christ and being in the Lord, because of obedient faith and gospel obedience, I'm growing and I'm maturing and I'm preparing myself for when the real battle does take place. Now, if I haven't done that ahead of time, it's all over. I'm defeated. But if I can prepare ahead of time by being strong in the Lord and preparing myself as God wants me to prepare, then I can truly be the kind of person that God wants me to be and accomplish what I need to accomplish and that's the defeat of Satan and the winning of the battle. So to help me remember this point, I just called it the bull moose principle. I want to remember the bull moose principle. The bull moose principle is prepare ahead of time. So that when the clash really does take place, I can come to know and understand what I really need to know. The power is in God's written word. The power is in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. I'm trying to understand Ephesians 6 verse 10 and apply it as I best possibly can. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Now there's another element that comes to my mind in this particular emphasis and that is the story of a fellow who had two kids and an old Chrysler and the old Chrysler just wouldn't run right. And uh, he would sometimes have to have his kids push him off so that the Chrysler would get going. And finally, somebody at the uh, McDonald's told him, said, lift the hood and let's see what's wrong with this car. And we found out that three or four of the cables going to the spark plugs were missing from the spark plugs. And so when this fellow knew just exactly what sequence to put the spark plugs wires back on the spark plugs, the car had all kinds of power. And I just thought to myself, I wonder how many times I've been that way. The power was available, but I never took advantage of it. The power was there, but I never utilized it. The power was there for me to do this and that or to accomplish this and that, but I never took advantage of the power. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. The power's there. The strength is there. I just need to avail myself of it. 
I need to do so ahead of time, and I need to take advantage of it as it is given to me. How many times have we had the opportunity whereby worship service was going on, but we decided we wouldn't go to worship service because other things were more important to us? Or how many times did we decide because there's a special gospel meeting taking place or because there's a scripture forum taking place that we could go and we could learn and we could tap into the power which God has given us, but we decided that other things were more important to us because we failed to see there's a great battle going on out there. And we didn't prepare for it. And then when the battle takes place, we're not ready. The power was available. We just didn't take care of it. Didn't see after it. We didn't see the need at the time. Because we don't see the battle that is a ferocious battle indeed. Now this is what he tells us in verse 11. Put on. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now that's an important verse for us to understand and come to mind. If we're going to understand the Bible, that's equipping ourselves. We've got to be strong in the Lord. And then he says, put on the armor. He's going to tell us about putting on the armor. The how of it's going to come with regard to the matter. But the reason for the armor is very important. You've got to be able to stand. He uses the word stand in verse 11. He uses it in verse 13. He uses it in verse 14. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, now verse 14, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And those wonderful implements which he talks about with regard to the spiritual warfare. The equipping is for us to be able to stand in the day of battle, so that we'll be able to overcome the wickedness which is pressed against us on every side. We may have the proper components to stand as God wants us to stand. Now there's another word there. This translation uses the schemes of the devil. Schemes, you might have the word wiles there. The devil knows how to get next to us. And he has all kinds of schemes. He has all kinds of ways of doing it. This comes up in Ephesians chapter 4 at about uh, verse 14. And so I'll go to that particular verse, Ephesians 4.14. And he's talking about living the Christian life once again as a child of God. And he's talking about the unity of the children of God. A wonderful list of seven unities there that are given to us in the first part of chapter 4. And um, then he talks about certain gifts that have been given to the church and what the purpose of the gifts were for. But then he makes this point that applies to us all. So that, verse 14, we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. There's our word again. You might have wiles there. The word schemes or wiles is the idea that the devil's going to do whatever he could possibly can do in order to get us to lose the battle and to lose our soul in eternal condemnation. In James chapter 1, I thought of this particular passage that I think would be very helpful to us. 
and understanding the matter. And I know of no other passage quite like this one, which really talks about the mechanics of sin and how it begins to get to work in our life and the temptations that we face. And, and he really talks about that beginning at about verse 12 of James chapter 1. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for whom he has stood the test, he will receive a crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say that when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Verse 14. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And verse 15, the verse I'm working into. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. You know, that's what he's talking about and that's what he wants me to understand that this particular matter begins to work in my life and it first develops within my heart and my mind and what develops in my heart and mind is next acted out overtly in my life and sin is created and brought about because my free will desire to do it oh it's a battle it's a battle. We've got to be able to stand, and we've got to be able to understand the schemes, the wiles, the strategies which the devil uses against me. Don't ever forget 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 certainly is an important passage, and, and I like to talk about the context of these particular verses. I don't like to just quote a verse, but I like to talk about the context in which it is found, and he's really talking about them humbling themselves before God. And they really need to be considerate of, the, of these matters and always depend upon God. Verse 7, always cast your cares and, and your anxieties upon God because he cares for you. And then he gives us this verse in verse 8, be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. A roaring lion seeking someone to devour the schemes, the wiles of the devil. I got to put on the whole armor of God. To put on the whole armor of God necessarily means that I've got to be ready for whatever Satan throws at me so that I can be successful in overcoming it. There's a tree in Colorado. Carol and I always like to go hiking and that sort of thing, and we've been to Colorado, and you have too, and California, and been to Northern California. I love to love the trees. I love to look at the trees. I love the the animals. But there, this article was talking about one particular tree, 400 years old, 400 years old in Colorado, and I don't know, I can't remember what kind of tree it was, but the tree had fallen down and died. Now, this tree, 400 years old, was just a sapling when Columbus came to San Salvador. But it was growing in Colorado at that time. And this tree has been struck by lightning 14 times and survived it. It has braved windstorms, snowstorms, even earthquakes. And you know what killed that tree? The little beetle. That little beetle got in underneath the bark. And it started chewing on the cellulose of that particular tree. And it continued to grow and develop. And other beetles continued to grow and develop until finally it undermined 
the foundation of that tree and the strength of that tree, and it fell over dead. Never underestimate the schemes of the devil. Never underestimate the wiles of the devil and his desire to destroy us in this spiritual battle. We simply cannot ignore what Satan has in store for us. If we're going to be like the guy reading his newspaper right through the middle of the fight, we're going to lose. But we've got to be aware of the battle and we've got to understand how to overcome it. And that's his great point here before we actually get into the armor itself. In fact, in 2 Timothy, he talks about a particular word there that conveys the idea of what we're trying to study, 2 Timothy chapter 2. The verse that I have in mind is, is verse 26, and he's emphasizing the importance of don't get yourself embroiled in needless haggles and arguments that are, are of no avail, verse 24. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. Don't get yourself involved in a haggle that is meaningless and of no value whatsoever. Now that does not mean that we should not earnestly contend for the faith. We certainly should. But even here, he says that we should earnestly contend for the faith, but do so patiently and in a kind way. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. I'm in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I'm in verse 24, and the passage comes to mind. Because it helps me understand the wiles of the devil and how I'm to deal with it. And so he says, be kind even and patient even when we're trying to help others see the error of their way and the truth of the matter. Because who knows, God in his providence may be patient with that person and that person may turn it around and be turned toward the truth. Verse 25. And he says in verse 26, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. That a person can succumb to the snare of. The word snare there is the idea of a, a smaller trap. Catch a bird with it or a smaller type of animal. The animal's been entrapped, but it may be that one can extricate themselves from the trap. In other words, we can get out of the trap. Maybe if a person would turn from the error of his way, he can get out of the trap. Satan's got him in. And he can live for the truth. That's the way Satan is, you know. It's a battle. It's a battle for our soul. And he entraps and snares and uses schemes every possible way that he can. We're in a terrible battle here. Put on the whole armor of God. Understand it. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. There's a great passage there that I've received a lot of comfort from. And I, I want to spend just another moment with that on this particular point, talking about the battle and the snares and the, and the devil and how he tries to entrap us and how he tries to destroy our souls spiritually. And it's such a clever way that he goes about it. Why, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13 ought to be marked in every Christian's Bible. The passage says, No temptations overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, it will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now, his point there is, don't think you're the only one to have to suffer this particular matter or go through this particular problem or to have to face this particular matter because you're not the only one that's ever had to face it. It's common to man. Men and women go through these problems and they face these difficulties and trials of life. But God has given you a promise. 
He's not going to allow Satan to overwhelm you so much so that you have to be involved in these particular sins. That you have to yield to that kind of temptation. What he's saying is God is going to provide you a way of escape. Now, I don't know where the way of escape is. And I'm going through this difficulty in this trial, the wiles of the devil. He, he, in very strategic ways, is trying to undermine me and cause me to lose my soul. Well, if I don't know where the way of escape is, I can find it by reading the Bible. And I may say to my, myself, I don't know exactly where the answer to this problem is, but I know it's in here somewhere, and I'm going to study this word until I find the answer to it. And I'm going to overcome this problem by means of the strength which I will receive from what God gives me. You've got to put on the whole armor of God. And you've got to overcome the wiles of the devil. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now verse 12, the spiritual warfare. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces in evil of evil in the heavenly places. Now, he starts that verse 12 with the word for. And he's really giving me a purpose type statement. For. This is why you need to do that. Because. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers. These tremendous places he's talking about, these tremendous Matters, the spiritual struggle, the wiles of the devil, the devil's allies, verse 12. It's an intense quartet of enemies that's found for us in verse 12. Temptation comes our way. And there are four important matters discussed in verse 12. I wish I knew more about them. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not a physical battle we're talking about but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There's four of them. I think these particular matters talk about the rank and the order and the authority that these particular matters have over our lives. We allow them to so take place in our lives by freely choosing to accept them and to be influenced by them, and they're powerful. I wish I knew more about them. The Bible talks about the wickedness that's in this world and all that comes about in a desire to destroy us. In Second Peter chapter 2, it's a Bible passage that perhaps you'll want to keep in mind because it does talk about this incident. And I wish I knew more about this. I can only speculate to what he's referring to, but evidently by means of this, this implication that there are wicked, there is wickedness and Satan has his emissaries who are out to destroy my soul. Second Peter chapter 2 and 4, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept unto judgment, if he did not, now this if is in the indicative mood. That simply means since. 
since God didn't spare them, he's not going to spare you if you fail to obey the word of God. But the reason I saw it of 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4 is this implication, if God did not spare angels. And I don't know a lot about what he means by that particular matter. Evidently, there were some who were filled with such pride and such arrogance that they refused and rebelled against God and God's word. Jude 6 makes reference to this particular matter. And while I'm on the thought, I'll make mention of it. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. There's a great day coming for them. And evidently, there were those who simply would not yield to the will of God and the word of God and do their best to... Uh, rebel against God. In Matthew chapter 25 is another good verse, verse 41, that speaks of the same matter. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. He's talking about people who are unfaithful. And he's talking about those unfaithful servants and the final judgment. And he's going to say to the unfaithful, depart from me. And he cast them into that realm that is prepared for the devil and his angels. And evidently there is a spiritual warfare involved in these particular beings and these matters after my soul. I wish I knew more about that. The Bible is saying in Ephesians chapter 6 and 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And I wish I knew more about the wickedness that's there. But God has seen fit to give me enough to help me understand the intensity, the reality of a spiritual battle that desires to destroy me. By the very nature of Satan himself and the names that are given to Satan, it ought to help me understand the intensity of what I'm going through and how important it is for me to prepare ahead of time so as to be victorious over it. For example, I went through the Bible looking up some of the names of Satan. It's called the adversary. I saw how he's called the devil, called slanderer, it means slanderer, our accuser. Romans chapter 8 tells us about the idea of Satan being our accuser, accusing us of wickedness, accusing us of sin, trying to get God to destroy us, but yet God is faithful because of the blood of Christ and will not listen to him and his accusations against us. He's the enemy. The Bible described him as the serpent. The serpent. The Bible describes him as the dragon. Jesus called him the father of lies. He's called a murderer from the beginning. He's called the ruler of this world. He's called the prince of the power of the air. Matthew 13 and 25, he's called the enemy. As we studied this morning, Revelation 12 and 10, he's called the accuser of our brethren. These fallen beings created fallen and condemned 
are defeated. But yet they want your soul. And they do not tire at trying to destroy it. Why in Genesis chapter 3? Adam and Eve cursed with death. Because they ate of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God told them not to eat of that tree. But so they did. Who do you think behind that? Oh, mere snake is behind that matter. It is Satan utilizing the serpent. And he tempts them. And in turn they fall to his wiles, the schemes, and become unfaithful because of it. Why in Bethlehem, Herod the Great was doing everything that he could to kill this innocent child, Jesus, born by Mary in Bethlehem. All the babies that were destroyed in that particular time. He is a ruthless killer and he's out to destroy. Why the Bible is filled with endless stories telling us of the hatred and the desire that Satan has to win the battle over our souls. Jesus is in the wilderness. Jesus is fasting 40 days. And Satan comes and tempts Jesus in the wilderness. Matthew chapter 4. And with each temptation, Jesus in turn resists that. But Satan wasn't satisfied with that. He leaves him. And then where does he come up again? He comes up a number of times, but one that comes to my mind is in the, the Garden of Gethsemane, how he's doing his very best to destroy. He's trying to destroy the mission of God. He's trying to destroy the servant of God. He's trying to destroy the Son of God. Why, he did his very best to betray him. And one actually answered that call and denied the Lord. Another betrayed him, 30 pieces of silver, and Jesus is crucified. And he must have thought, my plans really worked. But God raised him from the dead. And by raising him from the dead, guarantees our resurrection from the dead. Crushing the wiles of the devil. Christ has been victorious. There is a passage in Revelation chapter 1. It's found in about verse 8 where it talks about Jesus. And I think I understand better what he's getting at when identifying in this great vision about the Lord. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Then when you go through and you look at all of these elements that are conveyed with regard to the lampstands in that particular matter, Revelation 1, you come to about verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Now watch what he says here. And the living one, I died, and behold... I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. I control this matter now. Not the devil. A place prepared for the devil and his angels. One thing I've got to come to understand. The spiritual warfare is there. It is very real. It is very dangerous and I've got to do everything that I can possibly do to win it. And I can win it with the armor of God and the help that God gives me. And I'll talk about that, verse 13 through 17, next time that we come together on Sunday morning.
I've been talking about a devastating battle. No battle is fun. And this one is a difficult battle as well. And I can overcome and win the battle only with God's help. If I am so presumptuous as to think that I could do this all by myself, I simply do not understand what the New Testament is trying to tell me. That New Testament is telling me of the importance of me repenting of my sins, confessing my faith in Jesus Christ, being baptized for the remission of my sins. This is how that I receive the blood of Christ, and that blood cleanses and washes me and makes me clean from sin. Now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. How presumptuous I am. If I think that I could win this battle all by myself, but I need the help of the Lord. I need the strength of the Lord. And that strength is found by my faithful obedience to Jesus Christ and His Word and by living of the Christian life. And we fail sometimes. We make mistakes and we sin. And we get down on our knees and we beg God to forgive us as we repent of those sins and are determined to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. If that's the need today, prepare to fight the battle by becoming a child of God or grow in sufficient strength that you're willing to repent of your sins and become a faithful child of God once again. Whatever your need is, we're here to help you. And let faithful brethren help strengthen you through the battles that lie ahead. Won't you come? While together we stand and while we sing.